For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line that is right back again. I know you're shocked. I know you guys are shocked, but guess what? Here we are. We're being responsible. We're putting out podcasts like everyone asked us to do. And we're doing it on a regular basis. Now, we're doing something a little different this time. And I don't know how it's going to work. We are on Facebook Live instead of doing the old YouTubes. And nothing's going to change for the, recur- the, the recorded version of the show, which you guys will be able to go back and hear on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to it at. But this is... A return to Facebook Live because we used to do it here. And it's kind of weird because you can get more traction on Facebook Live. But most people on here are in the business of just kind of flipping through, scrolling through. And you don't sit here and watch an hour-long podcast uh, because you got other stuff to look at. There's a great meme war. The great meme war of 2020 is going on right now. And you want to be able to be involved in that. You want to be able to see the amazing memes that uh, these crazy times are producing. The last meme war we had, ironically, was 2016, an election year. And some of the best memes of our lifetime were created. We are in another meme war. And I think this one's going to be better than the last. First of all, when it comes to the meme war... Liberals always lose. That's rule number one. The left always loses the meme war. Why? Because the left sucks at making memes. They suck at it. 
First of all, there's got to be some truth behind your memes. There's a lot out there that have disinformation, obviously, but it's the internet. There's no holds barred. But the left sucks at it. Conservatives make the best memes. And that's why I've gotten involved. That's why I've gotten involved in the great meme war of 2020. There'll be more to come. All right, so if we don't get kicked off Facebook Live, if you're, if you're listening to this live, if you're watching this live, if we don't get kicked off, then you'll get to hear the show in its entirety. If we do, we're going to attempt to come back. But if we don't, you've got the opportunity to go back and listen. First, off the top, at Andrew McLean Who on Twitter, 1C, at Andrew McLean Who, and uh, over the line on Facebook. Obviously, you people watching it live know that, but if you have not added the page over the line there on the Facebooks, just the black and white logo, we are trying to get the word out about this page, especially with everything going on, especially considering the meme war of 2020, especially considering the upcoming election, which seems secondary to everything else that's going on. It's easy to forget in all the hustle and bustle of, of looting and burning down uh, some of the country's most prestigious cities. It's easy to forget we have an election coming up, but it is coming up and nothing's going to stop it. Uh, what else do I got for you before we get into this? Oh, next week, for those that listen to me on the radio locally... I will be doing all week long on Talk 99.5 WZRR, Leland Live, 3 to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday, starting next Monday. So a week from today, you'll get me all week long. And I know you're thinking, geez, Andrew, we just dealt with that last week. We had a whole week of you on in the mornings. I know. But uh, those guys are having to go on a mandatory vacation, a furlough, if you will, and I'm, uh, maybe I'm the only guy that's, that's currently in the dugout, I don't know, but they keep asking me to come back, so we'll do that, we have fun, we love doing it anyway, so, um, share this video, if you will, I, I need to share it on my personal page, so we can get the word out, but that would be mucho appreciated, if you could do that, we've tried to promote the over-the-line uh, a Facebook page, like, you, you know, Facebook gives you the opportunity or the ability to um, do paid promotions where, you know, you pay Facebook X number of dollars and they'll start putting your page or a particular post in people's news feeds. We tried to do that last week and Facebook turned us down. Something about political blah, 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 blah. And then it goes against their community standards, yada, yada, yada. So they're not, uh, they're not going to let us do it. So there we go. I'm going to keep trying, but I, I don't, honestly don't know if, if, it's a, if it's a politics thing or whatever. I see political posts that are sponsored all the time on my timeline. So I don't know what the deal is. But nonetheless, if we can get you guys to do the uh, footwork and share this bad boy, then uh, we we can get the word out. Hold on a second. I'm sharing this to my personal page and making sure 
everything's working appropriately. Okay, seems to be working. So I think we're good. Think we're good. Think we're good. All right, so off the top, last week we had plenty of stuff to talk about. Everything from riots in Birmingham, which just happened this past Sunday, for those of you in Birmingham or in Alabama. We've had, uh, obviously, riots all over the country. We've had the, the general discussion of police brutality Black Lives Matter, race relations, white privilege. We really ended the week on a strong note, and you can go back and listen to this episode from Friday, where we just talked about white people. Because white people... I have a love-hate relationship with white people, okay? White people make me ashamed. Sometimes they make me proud. A lot of times, they cause me to be embarrassed. And and the thing is, I'm starting to get on board with the white guilt, with the white shame, or whatever you want to call it. Because I see some things coming from certain people. For instance, if you are kneeling down before somebody you do not know, somebody you've never met before, and somebody you've never wronged, and you're kneeling down in front of them and apologizing, I have a little bit of a problem with that. And I see a lot of white people doing that. That gives me white guilt. I feel guilty for being associated with you. Because that's absolutely ridiculous. What you do, that what is the purpose of kneeling? You got two purposes for kneeling, right? One, you kneel before your God, because... Of the obvious reason. He is God. He is the creator of all things. You want to show reverence. You want to serve your God. Okay? The other thing about kneeling is you kneel before your opponent that has just defeated you. You are admitting defeat and now you are begging for mercy. So those are the two reasons you would be kneeling. So why are you kneeling before a complete stranger, somebody you've never met, and you are begging for their forgiveness, or you are profusely apologizing to them? Why is that? Can somebody explain that to me? Because that makes no sense whatsoever. And it only gets worse because you don't get any credit for that. And these people will slowly realize that. But that's, again, go back and listen to Friday's show. That's where you can find that stuff. As for tonight, this episode will revolve around defunding the police. That's right. Defunding the police. Are y'all ready for this? This may be my best show ever. I feel it. I feel it coming on. Because guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I support the defunding of police. Yes, you heard that correct. I support defunding the police. 
but not on a wide scale. I support the abolition of police where we're looking at it right now. Minneapolis. Minneapolis is going to be our scapegoat. They're going to be our example. Because their city council voted, I guess yesterday, in, a, in some sort of emergency meeting or whatever, that that's what they're going to do. They will be defunding the police and then taking that money and reinvesting it into community-based organizations or community-based groups or whatever. I don't really know what they're going to do. Now, I think it's a good idea for them to do that because I feel like this country needs an example. Right? If we want to do this on a large scale, the best thing to do is allow one city, one state, whatever, to give it a test run. That way, we can all sit back and see how it works out. Because it's not going to work out well. (laughs) Here's the thing. We already know the answer to it. But uh, I still say, let them have at it. And for a town that, as of this very moment, looks like a war zone in Afghanistan, this test run is is not going to benefit them in any way, shape, or form. But you got to let them learn. It's almost like letting your kid, you know, your kid keeps, uh, what's an example? I don't want to say touching a hot stove, but, you know, that's what everybody says. So you tell your kid, don't touch the stove. Don't touch the stove. Listen, you idiot, don't touch the stove. And your kid keeps acting like they're going to do it. At some point, you got to say, you know what? Touch the stove, Jimmy. Touch the stove. Well, little Jimmy touches the stove, and guess what? He learns a valuable lesson that he will carry with him, not just to the hospital, but for the rest of his life. He will never forget that moment that his mom and his dad said, you can touch the stove. And so that's what's going to happen with Minneapolis. We got to let them touch the stove. Another part of this, and and, and this is one of the favorite um, favorite deals for the left, right? Is playing on words, where up is down, left is right, right is wrong, so on and so forth. Everything is a play on words. Usually, now usually. For the left, it is taking something that is pretty sinister and laying a nice, warm and fuzzy name on it, right? For instance, um, the uh, abortion clinic that receives 500 million taxpayer dollars every single year. Now, it's an abortion clinic. We end the lives of babies in the womb. Okay, that's, that's a pretty, pretty morbid uh, business model. But instead of calling it, you know, U.S. taxpayer-funded abortion clinic, we call it Planned Parenthood. 
Because who wouldn't want to plan their parenthood? I mean, you plan your parenthood and then life goes great. Everything works out. You want to plan it. Same thing for many, there's many other examples on the left where they take something that, that's pretty sinister and put a nice name on it. This, however, this one's different, okay? This one starts off as abolish the police. And there are massive crowds of people in the streets of America chanting abolish the police. They have signs, hashtag abolish the police. It's all over the place. We've all seen people say it. You've, you probably even know someone that supports the abolition of police, right? Once people are confronted with why in God's name do you think the abolition of police would be a good idea in any way, shape, or form, for some that realize, and maybe they realize it at, at that very moment when you bring that up, they say, well, I don't, we obviously don't mean get rid of police. Well, what do you think abolish means, ma'am? What, what do you think abolish the police means? What, what is the definition of abolish police? Would you please tell us? Well, what it really means is, is to reform. Reform the police. So what we're going to do is instead of giving money to the police... We are going to reallocate those funds to other organizations because we just ask the police to do too much. We do. They can't handle things regarding mental health and uh, other instances. And we can give those to uh, therapists, mental health experts, if you will. So we'll just take that money and kind of spread it out to other organizations. And then we can just, as a community... Everybody from all these different fields and all these different backgrounds will handle all those problems that the police deal with. Okay, so you've got two different strategies because you've got, the, you, you've got a giant group of abolish the police people. But you've got two different definitions of what that means within that group. You've got the Abolish the police people that believe we need to abolish the police. Get rid of them altogether. Then you've got the abolish the police people on the other side that know how crazy that sounds and are trying to tell you how we just need to stop giving them money. Defund the police. That, that term's getting more popular right now. Defund the police and reallocate that money to other groups. Both of which end the same for police. You can either get rid of the police right off the top, right then and there, or you can take their money away and allow them to disappear over a short period of time. Because eventually, that's what's going to happen. This is an absurd, asinine solution to a problem we all agree exists. To what level, maybe there's, an, there's a disagreement. But we all agree that we have a problem 
with how police treat some people. We don't agree on how prevalent it is. We don't we don't agree with how often it happens, but we all agree it's bad. And that we want to make some changes to do something about it. So that requires a conversation and it requires action and then it requires voting in the voting booth whether that is to vote in someone that will enact those changes or vote out the people that would not enact those changes. But that conversation, which needs, it has to be the foundation, cannot even get off the ground as people are calling to abolish the police. It's not going to go anywhere. You are literally looking... America in the face, and I'm talking to abolish the police people, and telling them, I know all over social media, in the news, and every, everywhere you look, you are seeing cities be torn down, small businesses looted, buildings with raging infernos coming out of their windows, I know you're seeing all that stuff right now, and it's going all, all, on all across the country. Everywhere from Seattle to New York to little old Birmingham, Alabama. But I think it's a good time to just get rid of the police and figure out a new way of enforcing law and order. It amazes me that the people that say that do not understand how crazy that sounds. Now, some of you guys that have been doing the conspiracy theory thing for a long time, you know that this has been a topic of discussion for those guys. They've talked about how, hey, here's what they want to do. They want to take away your guns, then they want to get rid of police, and at that point, you, you, you don't have police and you can't protect yourself, and then they want the military to take over, because guess what? When there's no police, and it gets so bad that the military has to step in, it's no longer your local people, your, your neighbors and your friends, and just your local elected officials that are handling these issues. It is now... The national military, the U.S. military, and there's one person calling the shots, and that is the President of the United States. Now, that may not sound like a bad idea when your guy is President, but for somebody that almost has a stroke just at the name of, hearing the name of Donald J. Trump, think about that. Think about Abolishing the police and the only option to stop a crime wave, whatever that may be, in your city, in your state, is to bring in the military that is led by Donald J. Trump. And you want that? Why, why do you want that? It's, it's crazy to me. And, and I, I thought about going through, because I've gotten a lot of comments from abolish the police people plenty of them that have said hey he here's what we actually mean by this but you've got to change the terminology 
just to just to get the conversation started. I'm not saying the conversation is going to go anywhere. I'm just saying people with two or more brain cells are not going to have the conversation with you if your thing is if you're all or nothing on abolish the police. And people say that nobody's really saying that. I had this happen. Now listen to me. I had this happen where I posted something along the lines of, you know, if you want to abolish the police, then you will see a genocide in our streets. You will see, in the black community, you will see the genocide of black people that that you talk so much about if you abolish the police. Well, that's not what it's meant. That's not what we mean. And nobody's saying that. And I'm like, what do you mean nobody's saying it? Literally, one of the most liberal mayors in this entire country, the mayor of Minneapolis, is in a crowd of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people at a Black Lives Matter, George Floyd uh, protest. They bring the mayor up to the stage. And I was, I was going to play the audio for you, but it's, it's not that, that good. You can't really hear what's going on. They bring him up to the stage as everybody's chanting, abolish the police. And they ask him, will you commit to us? And by the way, it is an election year, so you're up for re-election. So we want you to tell these thousands and thousands of people that you will commit to abolishing the police. And he sat there for a minute as the crowd patiently waited. They were so excited. They were about to get a commitment from the mayor that they love so much. I mean, this is a guy that's been hailed as a hero on the left. And he shakes his head no. He says, I can't commit that I will completely abolish the police. And like that, the entire crowd of thousands upon thousands of people turned on him, booed at him, yelled at him, and made him do the walk of shame all the way through that crowd. He even gets halfway through the crowd and somebody stops him. And they're like, give us the mask. <laughs> they, they made him give the mask. He had a mask, a face mask on it. It said, I can't breathe. They stopped him and made him give, give it back. And then they promised that they would get him kicked out of office. Now, don't get me wrong. Watching the left eat itself makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I absolutely love it. There's nothing. There's nothing better. That's what. That's that's the fuel that I live on. All right. But this, this should be a stark reminder for that mayor. Of how radical this movement is. How radical, no matter how big or how small, this 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 faction of the, the, the left or the Democratic Party even, no matter how big or small it is, it is extremely far left. I mean, it is, it is further out there. And I've been, y'all know me, I've been keeping up with politics for a long time. Even as a kid. 
I was keeping up with it. I didn't know what I was talking about, but I was keeping up with it back then, right? And as the years went by, I thought, man, I've never seen Democrats behave so radically. I've never seen them get so extreme. This is this is crazy. I cannot believe in our society, our civil society, that these people are acting this way. Every year it got worse. And then all of a sudden, here we are. I guess it happened 2015, 2016. And it's reached levels that I never thought I would see. And I hate to break it to them, but America's not going to go for it. They're not. Even Nancy Pelosi. So the, the House Democrats today, they put up a bill that they will be voting on and sending to the Senate. She did this. I, I didn't even watch the press conference. I meant to go back and watch it, but I didn't. But I've seen kind of the, the long and short of it. They've put out a bill that is sweeping police reform, right? This sweeping police reform involves things like banning certain chokeholds, or I guess banning all chokeholds, putting in a national database for bad cops, right? Complaints or whatever the case. Big database so we can track all that stuff. Which, those two things don't seem bad. I mean, these are these are the kind of sensible things we can do for reform. And then it also clo- uh, includes um, requiring police departments to up their game on cameras, body cams, cameras in the car, whatever. But last but not least, what it doesn't include is new funding for police. So they're going to put all these requirements on them, and I have not seen the bill. And I can't even imagine what kind of malarkey is in that thing. I'm sure there's tons and tons of stuff that are in no way, shape, or form related to police reform or police at all. But they put that forward, and even Nancy Pelosi, as radical as she is, couldn't get on board with defunding the police. But Minneapolis is there. They hold this vote yesterday. They vote, and guess what? They push it through. It is veto-proof. So even the mayor of Minneapolis can't do anything about it. I was watching CNN earlier. Allison Camerata, or, or whatever, she's, she's talking to uh, one of the, the council people for the uh, the city council in Minneapolis. And she's asking her, just, hey, you guys have voted on this. We're all pretty curious as to what this means. Like, what is what is defunding and abolishing the police look like? And what do we do if we need the police? Somebody breaks in our house. This is the answer CNN was given just earlier today. We have a state action against our police department 
which gives us legal mechanisms in the very short term. You know, there's lessons from all over the country, all over the world that we're looking to yeah. um, to take immediate steps while we work toward building the systems that we would need to imagine that that future. Do you understand that the word dismantle or police free also makes some people nervous? For instance, what if in the middle of the night my home is broken into? Who do I call? Yes, I mean, I, I hear that loud and clear from a lot of my neighbors and I know and, and myself, too. And I know that that comes from a place of privilege because. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Okay. Y'all hear that? Calling the police because your home is getting broken into and your life is in danger if you're at home is a sign of your privilege. Privilege, y'all. This is your privilege. For those of us for whom the system is working, I think we need to step back and imagine what it would feel like to already live in that reality where calling the police may mean more harm is done. And so we have a state action against our police department. Wow. 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 <laughs> so you calling the police is a sign of your privilege. Here's the thing. And I, I don't want to get this. I don't want y'all to get this confused. I know a lot of people will, especially since we're on Facebook. We're probably going to get a lot of um, a lot of heat because we're going to have a, a, a more. I think a more diverse audience than we normally would doing YouTube because YouTube is is very limited because they, you know, whatever. It, it's just, it's one of those things. This is about promoting police reform, okay? I want to promote police reform. I do. I, I, no, I don't want to promote it. I want to see it happen. That's why I am promoting it. And I'm trying to stop the insanity that will surely kill this conversation. It, not just kill it, but keep it from ever happening. Because that's, that's what's going to happen. There will be no conversation until people decide... To use common sense. That's all we're asking. Use common sense. Because we are going down a very, very dangerous path. People that are saying abolish and defund the police. And they say that they don't really mean that. They're, they're probably speaking the truth. But they have bumped their head if they think anybody's going to have a conversation with them. While they're using that type of verbiage. Find another way to phrase it. But then you have the other people that do actually mean and believe that we should abolish the police. And again, I have talked to multiple people that said, what is going on between the police and those in the black community, especially unarmed black men and women, is a genocide. A genocide. You, you know what we call a genocide? We call what happened in Nazi Germany. We call what the Jews went through. We call that a genocide. That is a genocide. Right? What's going on in our streets, the relationship between police and the community 
is not a genocide. It's not even close. It's not. And we have to deal with facts if we're going to create this reform. There is no one that should be dismissing the feelings and emotions of black people in this country and how they feel that the black community has been treated by police. Those feelings, they they have every right to have those feelings. They feel, or, or a lot of people feel scared. People that have, maybe have never had a negative interaction with police, but they've watched it. They've watched the media talk about it over and over. Now they've watched George Floyd and the tragedy that happened with George Floyd. And they're scared. They're scared as to if they'll even make it home from work or whatever. And that's okay. People can feel that way. And there is a reason for them to feel that way. But we have to deal with with the facts, okay? You ready for this? In 2019, these are not my numbers. These are the numbers from multiple sources, including the Department of Justice. And actually, most numbers are less than that, but I'm going to give you the higher number just for the sake of, uh, of the argument. In all of 2019, there were 10... Black people, unarmed black people, that were killed by police in all of 2019. Ten. Now, if you went on the street, you go to the Black Lives Matter rally, you ask any person out there that is supporting the cause, which they have every, every right to do, and I support... I don't just support their right to do it. I support them going out and peacefully protesting. But if you go out there and ask them, do you know how many how many black people lost their lives? Unarmed black people lost their lives at the hand at the hands of police. Police that abused their badge, abused their power. And really, it wasn't in all cases that that, that it wasn't an abuse of power. But in some of them, it certainly was. You ask them, what do you think their answer is going to be? Hundreds? Thousands? I mean, there's a lot of people that believe this is a genocide. It's 10, y'all. 10. We have lost twice that amount in police officers in the past month and a half. Twice that. I sat today and I watched the funeral procession of a police officer here outside of Birmingham, Moody, Alabama. I watched a funeral procession for this guy who died, a lieutenant who died in the line of duty. And I couldn't help to think that this guy gave his life to protect his community. 
and the police department is facing a section of society that wants to eliminate them altogether. There's not a genocide going on. There is a problem in this country, yes, but there is not a genocide. And it is very important for us to create the change that we all want. It is very important for us to deal with facts. Because if we're dealing with facts, if we're dealing with the, with the actual numbers, factual numbers, factual stats, then the abolition of police wouldn't ever be uttered. Not once. Now the thought, people having the thought that there's hundreds or maybe even thousands of unarmed people being killed by police every year, I don't necessarily blame them for that. I don't. I think people should do their research. I think it would be a tremendous help. But not everybody does that. And I'm not, I'm not going to chastise any, anybody for that. But the people that are at fault for this are the people in the media and are the people in Washington, D.C. that is, they have promoted this as a genocide. Again, if you want to see a genocide, abolish the police. You will finally see a genocide of the black community. Because police have to be here. We're all human. We all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. Some people in society, we hold them to a higher standard than others. Police happen to be held to a higher standard than the standards you hold for the guy bagging your groceries at Publix. A much higher standard you hold the police officer at. So you expect them to not make mistakes, but they will. They will. Some of them make mistakes on purpose. Some of them do things like we saw this cop in Minneapolis do and take the life of an unarmed man that did not deserve to die. But we have to deal with the facts in order to fix this. There's no two ways about it. As we talk about abolishing the police, I watch stories day after day after day come across my messenger, my emails, whatever news source I'm looking at, every day. One after another that I thought, man, if we didn't have the police, that could have been a lot worse. If we didn't have the police, the guy that called 911 and said he was going to go to the Black Lives Matter rally in Birmingham and set off bombs and shoot and kill the mayor of Birmingham, he'd still be running free. And he would have probably uh, done what he said he was going to do if we didn't have police. You certainly weren't going to send a therapist down there to talk him out of his uh, evil ways. People are evil. Evil's on this planet, and evil's not going anywhere. 
But we've got to have people that are willing to stand in the gap and protect those of us in society who are just trying to live life from that evil. You probably saw the story last week of a shootout in downtown Birmingham where a woman was simply driving through and she was hit by a stray bullet in the crossfire and it killed her. This was a 62-year-old African-American woman that wasn't, she wasn't involved in a drug deal that went bad. She didn't have beef. She wasn't wearing the wrong colors on the wrong side of town. She was just driving her car. And she was shot and killed in the crossfire. That would be a regular occurrence happening multiple times a day in every city in this country. If we didn't have police. And I'm already getting the messages. I see them. Andrew, that's not what that means. That's what I mean to get rid of police. Well, some people do. And that's the point. There will be a genocide in this country if we get rid of police. And it's a sick and disgusting thought. And if you dare push back on that, you heard... You heard the councilwoman from Minneapolis. Well, the fact that you want police to come help you out, that's just a sign of your privilege. It's just your privilege showing. You shouldn't need the police. Nobody in this country should feel scared or guilty or anything else because of the color of their skin. But they also shouldn't use that to promote the most absurd things that would literally destroy the fabric of this country. I got to take a quick break. This is kind of a weird podcast break for those of you that uh, that are watching live. But we'll hook that up and we'll be back right back on the other side. It's over the line at Andrew McLean who on Twitter. And over the line on Facebook. Y'all hang tight.
over the line June the 8th, 2020. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us or checking this out on the backside on Spotify or Apple Podcast. We're doing it from Facebook this time for the first time since we've kind of revamped this thing. We've, we've done it on Facebook in the past, but every time we would do a live stream, they would kick us off for whatever reason. And, you know, uh, big tech tyranny, whatever you want to call it, it it's real. And, and, you know, some of it's got to do with things that I probably shouldn't have done, like play copyrighted music or whatever, you know, just minor details. But nonetheless, uh, we're good. We're good so far. So if you're watching this live, um, <laughs> be grateful. Be grateful right now that we haven't been kicked off and uh, all that. Again, at Andrew McLean, who on Twitter. Uh, check that out. Uh, a quick reminder, as I said last segment, 99.5 this week. Talk 995.com if you're out of the area you want to listen online. 3 to 7 p.m. Central Time. That'll be happening Monday through Friday of next week. We found that out today, so uh, we'll have a lot of fun with that. And we're still currently working on getting guests on this podcast. We were looking to get Candace Owens on the show. Now, Candace Owens had a, a, a real raw take on the George Floyd situation. And she caught a lot of heat for it, but I mean, she does a lot of things that catches her a lot of heat. Uh, At first, she talked about how the George Floyd thing was tragic, shouldn't have happened, it it needs to be a wake-up call for a lot of things, and we need to use this moment to make some change within police departments, right? But her point was, she said, George Floyd was no martyr, and that he had a, a, a quite the rap sheet, criminal rap sheet, uh, he had drugs on him at the time of his arrest, and he was on, on drugs as well, um, you know, the, the, he'd been arrested and, and gone to prison for cocaine multiple times, the one conviction stemming from putting a gun to a, a a pregnant woman as as the people he was with robbed the house blah 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 all those things uh, the the death still not justified I, I mean in my opinion and she said in her opinion as well but the point is that's what caught her a lot of heat at first well you had another instance where in Birmingham there was a a, a restaurant owner it was a, a cafe Parkside I'm looking this up as I talk Parkside Cafe I believe it's called I'm, I'm double checking that just to make sure I don't um, I don't get this wrong she started a GoFundMe for this uh this place uh owner the owner's name is George Dykes and she started the GoFundMe because he was being boycotted because of his opinions on George Floyd and the George Floyd protest 
He said George Floyd was, quote, a thug and that the protesters were, quote, idiots. Now, she starts this GoFundMe, and at this point, it has been suspended. Now, before I get to that part, let me let me go through uh, what happened. Let's see. I, I want to... I want to read you the text. So what happened was the owner, um, he made some comments about the protest in a text message to two other managers that was then circulated by his employees. The employee, one of the employees posted it on social media, posted it on a, a Facebook or Twitter, I'm not sure, her name is Lacey King. She posted it. It's on Facebook. And she said... Uh, let's see. She said that uh, this is the most ha most hateful person I've ever met. Blah, blah, blah. Hold on. I'm trying to get you the backstory because I want, I want to read you the actual tweets that he sent. God, ale. I, I'm getting this from ale.com, and they suck. They're just posting a bunch of bullcrap. I'm trying to find the original article. This is all the aftermath, which I got to go through that as well. Um, you know what? What a hassle. Let's see. GoFundMe. Let's see. Let's try this. So he calls Floyd a thug, said the protesters were idiots, and he even suggested that they should increase their prices as a, quote, protest tax. He said we should go up one or two dollars on everything until June 10th. Call it a protest tax because all the idiots that went to the protest are responsible for us not being able to open normal hours because after the, uh, the, the, the protest that turned into riots two Sundays ago caused Birmingham to implement a 7 p.m. curfew, which I may be wrong, but I, I feel like somebody told me tonight's the last night for that. Don't, don't quote me on that. Don't go downtown and get yourself arrested. He said, any employees that went or are going should resign. Mr. Floyd was a thug, didn't deserve to die, but honoring a thug is irresponsible. So it gets circulated, yada yada, and then uh, this king lady says, this is the owner of Parkside, this is the, uh, ma the man I work for, Michael Dykes. Please, someone give me a new job because this man is the most hateful person I have ever met in my life. The evil texts I've received from him over the years are astonishing. This is just one example. Now, that seems to be the only text, the one I re read you about uh, the protest tax and and Mr. Floyd shouldn't have died, but he was a thug and, and doesn't deserve to be honored. That gets circulated. Everybody decides they're going to uh, boycott this restaurant. Well, then that's what prompts Candace Owens to start the GoFundMe. 
Because really, this guy's viewpoints are in line with what she initially said. They call her all this heat. And she's like, hey, I want to I want to support this guy, whatever the case is. Well, then, once they raise over $200,000, GoFundMe decides to axe the whole thing. She said, after raising $205,000 in a few hours, GoFundMe decided to halt my campaign for the Parks and Cafe in Alabama. At their discretion, they deemed that funds raised for a conservative business constitutes intolerance. They will, however, give the funds raised thus far to the cafe. She said they will. GoFundMe said, uh, We're writing to inform you that the GoFundMe campaign has been removed because of a violation of our terms of service. Specifically, our prohibition to uh, on uh, user content that we deem in our sole discretion to be in support of hate, violence, harassment, bullying, discrimination, terrorism, or intolerance of any kind. So they raise over $200,000. That allegedly goes to the Parkside Cafe, but then it gets suspended. Nothing I've seen has been said since then. The Parkside Cafe allegedly gets the $200,000, but I don't know I don't know how much that's going to help me <laughs> because those text messages being circulated was a bad PR move. It was bad. And if you're going to have those views, which are perfectly fine, that's another thing we've got to realize is speech in this country is still free. You got to be ready for the consequence. That goes for people on the left or the right. You got to be ready for what's coming after that. But that's interesting enough. We're going to try and get Candace Owens on the show to see if we can get her to speak on that or speak on just the George Floyd thing in general because it is an interesting topic. It needs to be talked about. But also, we need to concentrate on on police reform. Again, 99.9% of police, and this is, this is what's getting lost in this conversation. 99% of police are good people. At any given time, you can go online and you can see police interacting with the community, donating stuff for kids, uh, sitting in the street with kids playing Barbies or stopping at a, a community basketball court and playing basketball with the kids. My first thought is Lieutenant Williams, the moody police officer that just lost his life last week. I was going through watching videos, some of his videos, and he was involved in the donation of a basketball goal to an area of, uh, where some kids live or whatever. I, I wasn't sure where exactly it went. But they got that basketball goal donated and they went and sent it up and then played basketball with the kids. There are tons of cops out there like that. Most of them, an overwhelming majority of them, are just doing their job. Cops don't sign up because they want to kill people. They just, they don't. 
Some of them probably have a complex and they want to get in it because of the power that they can have over people. But we have to make sure that we don't blur the lines on the two. Because the the good cops, which make up the overwhelming majority, want the bad cops to go. Now, another part of this is why the police officer, with almost 20 complaints on his record, why he was still able to wear that badge. And that's a good question. That's being addressed in Congress right now with some moves, whether they're Again, I haven't read the bill, so I I don't know how effective the strategy is going to be, but some sort of database that tracks bad cops, which again, you got to worry about the lines being blurred, and giving more accountability to police departments to get rid of said bad cops. The only problem is the same people that are promoting that are the same people that support and are supported by the problem. The people offering the solution are the same people that are the problem. Because you know what the problem is? The problem is unions. Unions, whether it's in teaching or anything else, makes it impossible to fire bad cops. It just does. And the Democrats have cornered the market on unions for years now, for decades. So when are the Democrats going to address that? Because that's the real problem. They won't. You know why they won't? Because all of this is virtue signaling BS. It's not real. It's not real compassion. They don't actually care about the issue. And I've done show after show about the racism of the the Democrat Party. It's real. I don't care what you say. And people come, oh, but you know, Democrats, uh, they're not the racist. The Republicans are the racist. Now tell me the last time you, you saw a story or saw a picture of a Republican that currently holds office wearing blackface. Not only that, but when Democrats do that, they get to keep their job. They don't have to go anywhere. But what we're living in, what we're seeing across the country, is their America. They don't want to solve these problems. They want to keep them going. That's why they stoke division. And they have a base that they've convinced you don't need to listen to the other side. Trish and I were having this conversation the other day. And she brought up a stat that she saw just recently. Twitter did a study within their own platform and it was about people that are politically active on social media, who they follow. So it's, you know, right versus left deal. They said, all right, so for people on the right, for conservatives, let's see what the... Uh, what the breakdown of of who they follow, what the breakdown is. Now, I don't I don't have those numbers, but the general consensus was conservatives, the people they follow on Twitter, are actually not just conservatives, but they follow liberals and Democrats and people on the left as well. 
They have a nice mixture of following both. But when you go over and you look at the left side and you look at the people that identify as liberal, they only follow other liberal accounts. So they live in this bubble where there's no opposing views coming their way. Right? That's why when you try to go at somebody, any given person that gets hostile with you over an argument... That's why they get triggered so easily. That's why they get hostile, emotionally hostile so easily because they build this bubble that they live in. Now, why do they do that? Because they're just human beings like we are. Why wouldn't they want to at least see what the other side has to say? Because they don't have to believe it. Just see what they're saying. Just out of general interest. It's because what their leaders have done is they don't just disagree with the other side on policy. They don't just disagree with the other side of, of, of what they believe in and tell their constituents, hey, the, the policy they got in place, it's bad for America, that's why we're going to go this way. No, they demonize the other side is racist and murderers. And people that promote genocide. So if you firmly believe that there's a person out there that is racist and sexist and misogynistic and promotes murder and all this, of course you don't want to follow their Twitter. If Hitler was alive today and he had a Twitter, most of us wouldn't want to follow him. We wouldn't want we wouldn't want anybody to pull up our account and see that we were following Hitler, right? That's what they do. That's also why they call everybody that disagree with Hitler. They build this bubble. And that's why you get the reaction you do when you push back on certain things. A lot of that is coming out in this debate that we're trying to advance. About the relationship police have with the community. And police over the years have made amazing strides. Absolutely amazing strides. But because there's a side that refuses to listen to anything but their own echo, you get the hostility and and you get this, this wall and this barrier that prevents the conversation from advancing. And it actually, when you sit there and you listen to your own echo and you listen to only viewpoints that you agree with, It clouds your judgment. And you see normal things in society. And in your mind, you turn them into something that they're not. There's a video on Twitter where there are three white women that are outside of a a, a building. I believe it's a federal building. And it's after one of these protests. I believe it's in New York, but I may not be correct in that they're outside cleaning the graffiti off the side of the building and this woman pulls up and chastises them for having the audacity to remove the graffiti off the side of their building because it promoted black lives matter i don't even know that the lady that did this 
knows what it said because they're on the back end of cleaning it up. Chastises them and wears them out because they're cleaning the graffiti off their own building. Cleaning up the graffiti should be a normal thing. First of all, you shouldn't have to do it because you shouldn't live in a city where the people in power allow this kind of stuff to happen. But it went from them doing the right thing by cleaning their building to them being racist, according to this lady. Listen to this interaction right here. Why are you guys removing Black Lives Matter's graffiti? But why do you want that to come off? But so you don't care about black lives not then? At all. That's what this. Not enough to leave up a message. Right. Not not a great way to use your white privilege, ladies. Not a great. Disgusting. Not a great way to use your white privilege. You obviously, because you're cleaning this graffiti off of this building, you're obviously racist. And you obviously agree that black lives do not matter. It's that kind of judgment that gets clouded when you live in an echo chamber. And, and everybody has got their own free will to be able to break out of that echo chamber. They don't have to stay in there. They're not being forced to. Don't get me wrong. The Democrat Party is in the business of enslaving the minds of people. They certainly are. And they do feel like they own people. You can just look at their own words and see that the Democrat Party feels like they own our black brothers and sisters in this country. Joe Biden, in one of his most honest moments on the campaign trail, said, if you can't decide to vote for me or Trump, then you ain't black. That's possibly the most honest thing he's ever said, and he's exactly right. The Democrat Party feels they own certain people. And they feel like they need that. That's why they're promoting the rioting and the chaos. The Democrats and the mainstream media do that. Even the even your local media does it. Wherever you live at, you can guarantee yourself your local media is promoting this stuff. For instance, AL.com, I was just talking about them earlier. They posted uh, just last week an article. The headline of the article was, um, I don't have the headline, but here's the caption they put when they tweeted the article out. Where are Alabama's Confederate monuments? Here's a list of many of them. As if to put out a hit list of Confederate monuments across the state as to say, go get them. Go rip them down. They're promoting it, and they're going to continue to promote it. But it's like a, a good friend of mine. He is a 
He is a flaming liberal, a self-proclaimed socialist, a Bernie bro. He is Democrat Party all the way, and we agree on almost nothing whatsoever. He told me today, he said, I cannot stand this stuff going on. It's going to get Trump reelected in a landslide. And I said, well, <laughs> you said it. If this madness continues, Trump is going to get reelected in a landslide. And there's going to be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I say, knock yourself out. You're not going to abolish our police. You're not going to win with your Antifa tactics. You're not going to tell black people in this country how they have to think or what they have to do. You're not going to do it. And can you imagine the meltdown that's going to happen this November when Trump is reelected to a second term? It's going to be fantastic, I assure you. That's all we got for you tonight. On this episode of Over the Line, June 8th, 2020, we'll do it all over again. Probably uh, Wednesday. That'll be the 10th. But you can go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and listen to previous episodes that you may have missed. Just make sure you're sharing them with your friends and family, especially your enlightened family members that are telling you we must abolish the police. They re- really need to hear this. Actually, they'll probably hate your guts after they listen to it. But it's worth a shot, right? Because if your family's saying abolish the police, they, they're probably a lost cause anyway. At Andrew McLean Who on Twitter and Over the Line on Facebook. Make sure you follow us and see uh, what we're doing at any given time. Until next time, see you, cool.